Amen. Have your Bible this morning. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And as we're getting started this morning, before we look into our passage that's going to be verses 6 and 7, Philippians 4, let me ask you some questions. And as I ask these questions, I believe or assume I know the answer that most of, hopefully all of you would give this morning to these questions I'm going to ask. And is this, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you believe that God's Word is powerful and is able to change your life with the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that God's Word is sufficient for you Is sufficient for you in living out the Christian life? Do you trust God's Word? Do you trust that if God's Word says it, if God makes a promise in His Word to you, do you trust that God will keep His promises? That He will do what He promises to do? I ask those questions, again, assuming that all of us here, most, the very least, would answer yes to all those questions. And I start with those questions because in some ways I think we will be challenged in putting into practice what we believe in regards to those questions. As we look at these verses here this morning in verses 6 and 7, The Apostle Paul is writing and says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning we're going to be addressing the subject of worry, the subject of anxiety, And it really will be a test of our faith. As Martin Lloyd-Jones, in commenting about these two verses here in his sermons on this passage, said this, Perhaps nothing provides such a thorough test of our faith and of our whole Christian position as just this matter. It is one thing to say that you subscribe to the Christian faith. It is one thing, having read your Bible and abstracted its doctrine, to say, yes, I believe all that. It is the faith by which I live. It is another thing to live by it. It is a subtle and delicate test of our position because it is such an essentially essential practical test. It is far removed from the realm of mere theory. You are in the position. You are in the situation. These things are happening to you. And the question is, what is your faith worth at that point? Does it differentiate from you, from other people who have no faith? Beloved, as we're going to come to this passage, we're dealing with anxiety, we're dealing with worry. This is something we all face in our life at some time or another. It is something we all have to battle, some more than others, but it is something we all face. Because unless you're going to live life trying to be unconcerned about anyone or anything, unless you're trying to live life with this carefree, haphazard attitude, There is always going to be the the temptation there for us to worry, for us to be anxious about things. And even as we look into God's Word, it really would be sinful for us not to have a life whereby we are actually concerned, and that is we care about others. For an example, if you will, for just a moment, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, because here in 1 Corinthians 7, the Apostle Paul uses the same word that he used there in Philippians 4, 6 that is translated as be anxious for nothing. And here he uses it in a way where he is saying it is legitimate for us to have concerns in regards to our family. He's using it in regards to being single or being married. And saying basically, when you're a married person, you have more concerns, legitimate concerns in this life that you should be concerned about. That's why he's saying it's more to your advantage when someone is single. He says, beginning in verse 32 in 1 Corinthians 7, but I want you to be free from concern. There's that same word that we have read there back in Philippians 4. One who is unmarried is concerned, and again, using it in a positive way, about the things of the Lord. That is what they're concerned about. That's what they care about. That's what they're invested in. How he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. How he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in, in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate it's to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Now, Paul there is not trying to say someone shouldn't be married. In fact, he'll go on after that and say, talking about how people should get married. What he's trying to get across there is, it's like, look, when you're married, when someone is married, and especially even if they have children, or if you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, there are things of this world that you're going to be concerned about. And he's saying there, those are legitimate concerns. That is because you care about your wife, you care about your husband, you care about your children, you care about your grandchildren, you care about your great-grandchildren, you care about them. So that gets your attention. And he's saying there, that that is a legitimate concern that you should genuinely have for others. I mean, as a, as a husband and as a father, I have genuine concerns in how I make decisions and things I do when it comes to my, my wife or my children and the same thing for you. So again, it would be wrong for me to live life with no concern for my wife with no concern for my children, for no concern for other people in my family. So that's not what Paul's talking about there when he says, be anxious for nothing. Not only that, beloved, we know as Christians that we are to have a vested interest in other Christians. We are to be concerned about their welfare. We're to be concerned about their physical welfare. We're to be concerned about their spiritual welfare. If you will, for just a moment, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And again, Paul's going to use this same word that we just read a moment ago in Philippians 4 that is there translated for us as worry or being anxious. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... In verse 28, he says this, after he's describing all these hardships that he's going through, he says in verse 28, and apart from such external things, the hardships that are coming at him from the outside, he says, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Paul is not sinning there. He is actually has a genuine interest and concern in all these churches that he's been a part of, that God has used him to go around and to start these churches, sharing the gospel, seeing people saved, helping these churches organize and, and get things together as they should. Paul is concerned when he sees people that are struggling and weak and falling into sin. He has a vested interest in their life, and as Christians, we should have that kind of concern for one another. In fact, if you will now, go back with me back to Philippians and go to Philippians chapter 2. 
This is the thing that, of why it is that he chose Timothy of all his disciples that he could have chosen to send to the church at Philippi. The one he chose to send was Timothy. And here's the reason why. Go back to Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 20 he says there, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned, same word, for your welfare. Timothy is the one I'm going to send to you because he is the one who's going to care for you, be concerned about you, be thoughtful for you, want to be investing in you. I'm going to send Timothy to you because he he loves you and he's concerned about you. So we are supposed to have that kind of concern. If you look down later in Philippians 2, If you remember, why was it that Paul sent Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi? Remember, Epaphroditus was a member of the church at Philippi, and the church at Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Paul, to minister to Paul, to bring a financial gift to Paul, to support him financially, but also really to be a servant of Paul and be there to minister to his needs. But Epaphroditus got sick serving Paul. And he says there in verse 27 of Philippians 2, For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I will not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him all the more eagerly, so that which when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Not only that, Epaphroditus was concerned about them. In verse 26, he was longing for you all and he was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. These are people who love each other and have a genuine concern for each other, not just for their spiritual welfare, but for their physical welfare. And beloved, that's the way we're supposed to care and love and be concerned for one another here in the body of Christ. So when when God's word here says by the Apostle Paul, be anxious for nothing, he's not talking about that kind of concern. We are called on by God to have a genuine concern and care for each other in our families and each other in the church. But our concern for others... And our concern in regards to our circumstances, our concerns in regards to our future, can move into the area of worry and anxiety when we begin to fret, to become distracted, divided in our heart, when it begins to paralyze us from doing what it is we know that we're supposed to be doing, when we begin to act out of fear and unbelief, then that concern that we have moves into this area of worry and anxiety. When we get all wound up on the inside. Let me give you an example of that. Do you remember... Whenever Jesus went to the house of Mary and Martha and Jesus began to teach his disciples and Mary sat down and began to sit, she sat at Jesus' feet and she stopped serving and she started sitting there listening to Jesus as he was teaching and do you remember what happens there? That Martha gets all upset about it. She gets worried about it. And so much so, it says in verse 40 in Luke 10, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations that if she was distracted from listening to the Lord, she was supposed to be listening to what Jesus was teaching. But she got distracted, divided in her heart from the preparations there. Because again, here's a group of people who've shown up there and she's wanting to now to be a good uh, hostess. She's wanting to show hospitality to them. And we understand that and, and that would be a gracious and wonderful thing for her to do. But she got so distracted with all her preparations that she comes up to Jesus and she really somewhat lashes out at him. Saying, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me? Notice, say, do you not care about me, Jesus? 
She's left me to do all the serving alone. Then she commands Jesus, tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus' answer is very interesting. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. See, she was worried and bothered. See, this concern and care that she had to minister to these people that has shown up was good and right. But she let that concern and and care move into the area of distraction from what were the most important things that she should have been doing. So it moved into the area of worry. She's now operating out of worry. And that's what Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried, you're bothered about so many things. And because you are, there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary has chosen that good part. Saying, Martha, that's what you need to be doing. So that's what we mean when we think about this idea of, of concern moving into the area of anxiety, worry. Brother God's Word tells us in Proverbs 12, in the first part of verse 25, that anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Worry, the anxieties of the world, we're told by Jesus over in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 13, in verse 27, it is the worries of the world that will actually choke out the Word of God. In some sense, that's what we just were thinking about and talking about with, with Mary. Mary, instead of sitting there listening to the Word of God, listening to the Son of God teach, the worries of the world were choking it out. And I wonder how many times we come to church and we're sitting here and you hear the words but there are so many distractions and your heart is divided and your mind is divided and it's the worries of the world are still crashing in on you and they're just spinning around in your head and though you're, you're hearing the word read, you're hearing the word taught, you're singing the word and, and when we sing, but yet your, your heart is so distracted, the worries of the world is just choking it out. It's what can prevent someone from coming to Christ. The worries of the world. But the worry, anxiety, actually can lead to so many other sins in our life. John Piper in his book on future grace said this about anxiety. He said anxiety about finances can give rise to coveting and greed and hoarding and stealing. Anxiety about succeeding at some task can make you irritable and abrupt. Anxiety about relationships can make you withdrawn and indifferent, uncaring about other people. Anxiety about how someone will respond to you can make you cover up the truth and lie about things. So if anxiety could be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many other sins. Now, let's go back to Philippians 4. And as we prepare to look at these two verses, I want to remind you of the context. I want to remind you of the context in three ways. Number one, I want to remind you of the context going back to verse 1 of chapter 4. Remember, what Paul is commanding here it's just one of the means that he's giving to us when he says there in verse 1, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. So this is the one of the ways by which you will be spiritually strong, spiritually stable, a spiritual rock, steady on your feet in the Lord and your walk with the Lord is when you are handling anxiety or worry when it comes your way. And we understand that, that, that when, when anxiety and worry is getting the best of us, we're not going to be as spiritually strong and stable as we should be. 
So understand, this is just one more means by which we are to stand firm in the Lord. We stand firm in the Lord by practicing what he's going to teach us here in verses 6 and 7 when it comes to worry and anxiety. Secondly, and keeping this in its context, remember the situation of the writer, the Apostle Paul. He's the one writing this. And remember, where is he writing this from? He's in prison. So don't, don't, don't think, oh, oh, it's so easy for Paul to write, be anxious for nothing. He's in a wonderful place. No. Paul is writing these words, be anxious for nothing, shackled to a prison guard. Okay, so if, if Paul was a lefty, his right hand is shackled to a prison guard and he's writing with his left hand this inspired letter. This is not only a man who's in prison for the gospel, but I want to remind you of something else for Paul. Go back to Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, he tells you in verses 12 and 13 that he is there in prison for the cause of Christ. But not only that, it's even worse than that for Paul. He tells us also in verse 17 that there are some fellow preachers who are there who are trying out of selfish ambition towards Paul are trying to intentionally cause him distress in his life. He has people coming after him right then and there that are doing things intentionally to bring as much affliction and distress in his life as they can place upon him. And in the midst of that, he's saying and he's writing, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. I think it's important for us to remember that. Not only that, Paul was a man who was also possibly about to die. Remember, he's in prison, and at this point, he doesn't know how it's going to be determined for him. He doesn't know if he's going to be set free or they're going to find him guilty and put him to death. So this is what he's facing. He's in prison. He's facing potential death penalty. And he has so-called friends, pastor friends, out there intentionally trying to cause him distress in his life, knowing he's in prison. I mean, knowing he already has enough stress on his life, and knowing he's also facing possible death. And they're intentionally doing this to him. And then he still, by the Spirit of God, writes, Be anxious for nothing. But thirdly, in the keeping it in his context... Remember the situation for the Philippian church itself. The external pressures that are being placed upon them at this time. If you're still there in Philippians chapter 1, remember what he says in verses 28 to 30. Look at that again with me. He tells them to be no way alarmed by their opponents. They have people that are opposing them. They have people that are coming after them. He says, that For to you, in verse 29, it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. These are people who are suffering. And he goes on to describe it there in verse 30, if you recall, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Now what are they hearing that Paul is in right now? He's in prison. What is it that they saw happen to Paul when he was there in Philippi? He was persecuted and put in prison. So some of the believers possibly here in the church at Philippi were having such pressure placed upon them that, that they were having to go to jail for the cause of Christ. They have some tremendous external pressure coming towards them. And Paul is telling them, be strong and don't worry. Be strong and don't worry. But let me ask you this morning, what's your context? What's the context 
that you are in, whereby you receive these words from God. Be anxious for nothing. Maybe your context you find this morning. Maybe you're sick. Or maybe there's someone in your family who is sick. And rightfully so, you're concerned about that. Is there that temptation for it to move into worry and anxiety? Maybe you're waiting on test results. Or maybe you've already found out the test results and the news wasn't good. Maybe you're here as parents that are struggling not to worry, yes, to be rightfully concerned about your children or about your grandchildren, but you struggle with worry. You struggle with that concern moving into worry for your children. Or maybe you're just here today and you're like the Apostle Paul. You have a concern for the body of Christ. You have a concern for the church, but there's a temptation for that to move into the area of anxiety and worry. Maybe you're here this morning and there's the temptation for you to be worried about what others may do to you. There's a temptation for you to worry about what others may threaten you with, impact your life and your family's life with. Maybe you're here this morning and you are concerned and there's the temptation to worry about losing a job or not having a job or trying to find a job. As I was reading and studying this week, I came across something that referred to the, the USA as the United States of Anxiety. That with anxiety disorders here in the United States that we spend more than $42 billion a year. And one report says that 43% of North Americans take mood-altering prescriptions regularly. And anxiety and worry is something we all can be tempted with. We can struggle with. So with that understanding, and whatever the context it is for you right now in your life, and in your heart before the Lord, listen again to what God has to say. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what is God telling us to do? To fight the temptation of worry and anxiety. What is he telling us to do when we have concerns about things? He's telling us this. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And notice what he says. Be anxious for nothing. And God means that. That is no matter the situation. Maybe one of the situations I just listed off there. You fall into one of those categories. Or maybe it's you're, you're concerned about something and there's a temptation for you to move into worry about something I didn't even mention. Because there's no way I could think of all the possible things that all of us could be going through and, and working through in our heart and our life right now. But whatever it may be, God's word applies to it here. He says, be anxious for nothing. Why? Why is God saying this? Why, does, why is Paul writing this? Because notice, think about this. Because worry, anxiety, is a sin. Now listen carefully to that. Worry and anxiety is a sin. Because you stop and you think about it. If the Bible says, do not steal, and you steal, is that sin? Yes. If the Bible says, do not worry, and you worry, is that not sin? Yes. Yes. 
Now, that may strike you and you may think, that seems kind of harsh. That, that seems so insensitive for God to give us a command not to worry. And in giving us a command, a prohibition here, that means if I do worry, if I do have anxiety in my heart, that that is sin, that that seems harsh, that may seem insensitive, but no, it's just the opposite. Actually, that means it's hopeful, it's helpful. It's actually good news. You say, well, how is it good news? It's good news because that means there is help for us. There is hope for us in dealing with anxiety and worry in our life. Because did not Jesus die for our sins? Christ died for our sins. You see, again, it means, beloved, we are not helpless, hopeless victims to our circumstances, to the uncertainty of our future and what may be out there. We don't have to live with that. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying the Bible tells us Christ died for our sins to take away our sins. Yes, to take away the penalty, but even to take away the power and the presence of sin in our life here and now. See, that's hope. That's encouraging to know that what I struggle with is something that God will help me with. But now listen carefully to this. Is as we see here, anxiety and worry is a sin. And also please understand, that means primarily it is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not primarily a physical issue. It's not a chemical issue. It is primarily a spiritual issue of the heart. And if it's a spiritual issue of the heart, then the answer for us as Christians will be found in the Word of God. And this is what God's Word is helping us with. We look to God's Word for the answer. And here, in these two verses, and in other scriptures as well, God's Word gives us the answer to the temptation of worry and anxiety. And let me just break it down for you in this way. For you and for me, for all of us, by God's grace and by God's Spirit and with God's help to overcome and to continually fight successfully against anxiety and worry. There's at least three things that we have to be consistently doing. One, and here's what God's saying, okay? I'm just going to put it, God is saying this. He's saying, one, trust me. God's saying, trust me. And two, He's saying, Turn and talk to me. Turn and talk to me about what it is that you are so concerned about. And then three, he's saying, as you trust me and as you turn and talk to me about it, thank me. Just thank me. When you read back through verse 6 and 7, undergirding this praying and seeking the Lord and Him saying that the peace of God will guard your heart, undergirding that is God saying, trust me. Trust me. Really, beloved, unbelief is at the heart and is really most often at the core of our worry. A trust in God. And let me just help you show you that. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about worry. Go for a moment back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, pick it up in verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. 
as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And notice what he says, you of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, well, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We tend to worry more about what's ahead. And what Jesus is saying here is, it's like, look, just focus on where you... He's not saying don't plan for the future, don't think about the future. But, but notice, he's saying at the very fundamental issues of life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, your clothing, he's saying don't worry. Your Father knows what you need. See, that's why it comes back. It's an issue. That's why I say the first step in this is saying, I'm going to trust God. God is saying, trust me. Just trust me. And so how can we build trust in our heart and in our life with God that will help us fight against the, 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 the temptation of, of, of worry and anxiety? Beloved, it's just getting into God's Word. Reading God's Word. Studying God's Word. Memorizing God's Word. Memorizing the promises of God. Studying the attributes of God. Knowing God. The more you know God, the more you know Him and you believe in Him and you trust in Him, the more you will be equipped to fight against anxiety and worry. Knowing that God is omniscient omnipotent this all knowing all powerful God is all loving and he loves me and he cares about me and he knows where I am he knows what I'm going through he knows my struggles he never leaves me he never forsakes me though others may be leaving me and forsaking me and doing all these kinds of things to cause me distress in my life, God never does that and He's there by my side and He promised me he, that I'm not walking through this alone. He's there with me always. Trust me. Do you remember what Jesus said to His disciples? After He was telling them He was about to leave and sorrow was filling their heart, and their heart was getting troubled. They were getting distracted. And, and they were, there was this temptation for them to worry. Like, what's going to happen? What's going on? Jesus is telling us he's about to leave and where he's going. We can't follow him. And, and Jesus says in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Do what? Believe in me. Just believe. Trust me. Believe that I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back for you. It just comes back to just trusting me. And that's where it starts. It starts with a, with a trust. Just building your trust in the Lord. God says, trust me. And then secondly, as we're looking there in Philippians 4, He says, then turn, talk to me. Let me ask you, when, when, when your concern is moving into the area of temptation, the temptation to worry and have anxiety in your heart, are you turning to God? Are you talking to God about it? Are you trusting it with, with Him and to Him? This is what Paul says here in Philippians 4. He uses a variety of words all referring to prayer. Okay, he says, don't be anxious, so what am I supposed to do? 
trust God. And he says, but notice, but in everything. You notice, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Whatever it may be, in everything. By prayer, supplication, let your requests be made known to God. It's not as though God needs to know it. God already knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. He knows this trial. He knows this temptation. He knows the distress that's on your heart and life right now. God knows it. But He wants you to come talk to Him about it. He wants you to turn to Him. And this is really what He's saying. And you can break it down this, this simple. Prayer is just a gentle word where He's saying, come talk to me. The word supplication, you could just say, he's saying, come talk and come ask me. And then when he says, and let your request be known, he says, and get specific. Come talk to me and get specific with me. Come share your heart with me. Cast your burdens on me, Peter writes over in 1 Peter. Cast your cares upon the Lord. In 1 Peter 5, 7. Talk to God. Bring it to God in prayer, but bring it to God in prayer with trust in God underneath that. You see, that it starts with that trust in the Lord, and then I turn and I talk to God about it. But notice I said, you need to be, he's saying, but thank me while you're doing this. Notice again back in verse 6, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That even in the midst of this, one of the things that will help you push away anxiety and worry is being thankful. Just thanking God. Even as you pray and as you're making this request and you're being specific with God about what it is you're asking of Him that you're, that you're concerned about that can be moving into an area of worry. He's saying, but be thankful while you're doing it. I like something that Charles Spurgeon said about this, a good example. He said, listen to this, Lord, I am ill. I bless you for this affliction. For I am sure that it means something good to me. Now pleased, please be, now be pleased to heal me, I beseech you. Now listen, did you hear that prayer? He's blessing the Lord. He's thanking the Lord. This is a person who is sick. And he's acknowledging, being specific, Lord, I am ill, I am sick. And I bless you for this affliction. I can be thankful even in the midst of this affliction because I'm sure that it means something good for me. See, there's the trust. I trust this is something good for me and I'm coming to you, I'm turning to you, I'm talking to you, I'm being specific with you about this, but as I'm doing it, I'm being thankful and I bless you for this affliction, but then he gets specific and asking, be pleased to heal me, I beseech you. He gives another one. He says, Lord, I am in great trouble, but I praise you for the trouble. For I know that it contains a blessing, though the envelope is black-edged. Lord, help me through my trouble. You see, he's asking for help. He's turning to God. He's trusting God. He's thanking God. He's talking to God. And this is what God's Word is calling on us to do. Trust God. Build trust. You need to continually be building trust in your heart for God by being in the Word of God, meditating on who God is, the character of God, the care of God for your life, the concern of God for your life. Build that into your heart. And as you're doing that, turn to God when things come into your life. Thank God for those things, knowing He's doing it for your good. He's in charge of this. And if you will consistently do that, here's what God promises in verse 7. 
that the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. So that means this is not something that the world can explain. This is not going to come from the world. You turn to the world to try to deal with worry and the world cannot give you this peace. They cannot give you this peace. This is the peace of God. You can have the peace that God has. God is always at peace. God is never out of peace with himself and he's never out of peace in his, the circumstances and the things that are going on. God is always at peace with himself and his circumstances. And what he's promising us is, is that this peace that he has, he will give to us the peace of God that is a divine thing which surpasses all comprehension. The world will look at us and say, how can this person be so stable, so strong, so at peace with all the things swirling around them in their life right now? How can there be a steady ship just still moving right along? How can they do that? It's the peace of God. And notice what he says, it will guard that word there for guard is something the Philippian believers would have had a clear picture about because it is a military term. And remember, this is, a, this is a Roman colony. This is a place that is very friendly towards Rome. This is a place where uh, military people were coming to retire in Philippi. And this is a place that supported Rome and supported what they called the peace of Rome. So they had guards throughout the city that were there to maintain what they called the peace of Rome. And Paul is saying, when you trust God and turn and talk to God and thank God that God will guard, just as you see these guards walking around to maintain the peace, he says, he will put up a guard for you. And notice what he's going to be guarding. Your hearts and your minds. He is going to guard your affections and your attitudes. He's going to guard the way you're thinking. He's going to help you in this way. Remember, beloved, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. He came so that you could have peace. Remember whenever he was born that night, the angel showed up and started referring to peace among men? Christ will first and foremost give you peace with God. And that's where it must start. And I want you to notice the very end of verse 7 because it is very critical, important. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is all in Christ Jesus. You have to be in Christ Jesus. It starts with you and with anyone having peace with God first. And you only have peace with God is if you've come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you put your faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. You've acknowledged your sinfulness and you called out to God to save you, forgive you solely on the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ that was all for your sins. If you have done that, then you're in Christ Jesus. And this promise is for you. If you're not in Christ Jesus... This is not just some formula to give out. You have to be in Christ Jesus and have peace with God. But if you're in Christ Jesus, God is telling you this morning He will help you. That He wants to give you His peace. Just trust Him. Thank Him. Turn to Him. Talk to Him. Cast your cares 
upon him. And as you consistently do that, I do believe by God's grace that he will begin to work in your heart and guard your heart and your mind. Usually that's what has to be guarded. Our mind goes running after things. Does it not? I mean, when we're worried about something, our mind is running after something. It's thinking, what about this? Well, what about that? What about, what about, what about? And he's saying his peace will come in and guard you. What a gracious, loving God we have. Now I want you to notice something as I close this. Notice Paul didn't say, if you let your request be made known to God, that his answer is going to be to remove that circumstance from you. He didn't say that. He just said that the peace of God will guard you. So even if you're in this life situation, but what I mean by that is, is say if, if, uh, if, if you've, if someone finds out some, some bad test results, you say, well, I'm going to come bring this before the Lord. I, I don't want to move into the area of worries. So I'm going to come make my request be made known to God. And, and I'm going to be specific and say, Lord, would you heal me of this? And would you take me this away from me? Paul's not saying that that means God's going to answer and say, okay, the answer is always going to be yes, and I'm going to remove that from you. What he's saying is, is whether God answers that in the sense of healing you or not healing, that he will give you the peace to walk through it and to trust him and rely upon him. And that's what we want from the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.